This is the Hope Church Mill Creek Podcast, and you're hearing the voice of lead pastor Josh Westmoreland. Hope Church Mill Creek is a church replant in the Hope Church family based out of Danville, Virginia. Our church specifically is in Roxboro, North Carolina, just about an hour north of Durham. Our family of Hope Churches has a total of 13 locations at this time along the Virginia-North Carolina border, mostly in smaller rural communities. Our uh, specific location has existed officially since January 22, when my family and I moved from Mississippi to lead this plant. We hope you enjoy this podcast and bring something away from it that helps you. If you do, it would help us greatly if you left a good review on Apple Podcasts or you just, you know, shared it. We wish you all the best, uh, grace and peace to all of you, and happy listening. So years ago, I was working um, hospice. I did that for several years, as uh, many of you know. And we did a, uh, a, a, a camp. We put on a camp every year for grieving children who'd lost people. And uh, it was just something our hospice sponsored. And so we did that. And many of our staff were involved in it, and the social workers and nurses, some physicians, chaplains, et cetera. And uh, so it was at the camp when one day and we were going to one of our activities and there was this uh, girl who was walking beside me and she'd come to know me as as pastor josh you know because i'm pastor and she looked up at me and she said uh something that made me feel pretty proud at first she said hey 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 pastor josh man you look just like uh and that you get nervous when somebody says that don't you but she made me feel real good. She said, uh, you look just like a, you look just like a Brock Lesnar. You look just like him. Now, if you don't know who that is, is UFC fighter, WWE, just a monster of a man. And so, man, when she said that, I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. But then she finished her statement. She said, yeah, you look just like uh, Brock Lesnar, just not strong like him. <laughs> yeah, really happened. Yeah. So people judge us by our outward appearance, don't they? We know they do. We get judged by the color of our skin, by how we wear our hair, by how we dress, and all those things. And Truth be told, within Christianity, modesty is a thing that we should all pay attention to. And the word modest just means not drawing attention to yourself. So um, not wearing things that are sen- sensual and accentuate private parts of your body, et cetera, like that. Um, I know you picture that with me right now, don't you? Um, <laughs> Now you'll have nightmares. But, but truth be told, people do judge that. And if we're all just really transparently honest, sometimes you probably do too. I know we all like to say that, no, I'm not judgmental and I don't see people. And I, I think we all have to admit our own sin in that regard, that we all just kind of do. Um, but that, I, I really don't think that those things are judged nearly as much as things like our behavior. How we talk to people. How we talk about people in private. 
whether or not we maintain integrity when we do some kind of business deal, we sell something, we buy something. Those things, that, those behaviors speak much more loudly than any external appearance. Have you ever had it happen before where you perhaps judge somebody by the outside and then lo and behold they were very kind to you and very good to you and you were kind of sitting there like, I can't compute. Ever happened to you? Our behavior is what sets us apart as Christians. It's not necessarily our appearance but it's how people perceive us from the outside by what we do. It does matter. I'd like for us to read Philippians 2. We're going to read Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. I'm just warning y'all. That right there is going to get every one of us here in a minute. And it's going to stink. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights of the world, holding fast to the word of life. So that in the day of Christ I may be proud I didn't run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out like a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you all should be glad and rejoice with me. Um, I know we've prayed a few times. you mind if we go ahead and just pray one more time? That'd be okay. Father, we need you. Uh, Lord, I pray you be with this sermon. I know that I've put in the work and studied and worked, labored over the text. But Father, it is not about Josh's words now. It's about if my words line up with your words. Lord, we can talk about inspirational anecdotes. We can tell stories. We can do all those things. But God, if we are not lined up with your word, then we are in error. We say things like, I feel like this and I feel like that. I feel like this and I feel like that. And Father, if those feelings don't line up with truth, then our feelings are in error. So help us to line up with the word. God, help us to pay attention to your word. Lord, I look out, and before me there are souls. And we see bodies, and we see faces, and we see all those things, and clothes, and hair, and skin. But housed within that body is a soul that is eternal. And everyone in this building is either going to heaven or to hell right now. Well, we say very quickly, you're not supposed to judge me, but at the same point, God, we don't want to be accountable for our actions. And that's not the mark of a Christian. May we live for you. 
May we hear your word. May you bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so first verse there. We need to ask in a very, very important question. You see verse 12? Essential question. What is, therefore, therefore? You ever heard that before? Anytime you see something like that in the Bible, you need to ask, what is, what is that therefore? Well, usually when you see therefore, it means you need to go back and look at the previous text. Does anybody remember what we talked about last week? And about how Jesus gave the ultimate selfless example of humility when he came down to this earth, came out of the, I think we called it last week, the main reality into this material reality all to pay for us. And so when Jesus did that, he set the example for us all because how many of us, we like to climb up. We like to do good for ourselves. Amen. Very good. We should. But Jesus went the opposite way. He saw us, as the song said, as a helpless race, and he came to this earth and gave his life, submitted to physics that he was outside of, submitted to time, and even submitted to rulers and lawmakers, the shakers and the players of that day, who hated his guts and wagged their tongues at him and said, yeah, you're the son of God, you say. Not knowing that the guy that they were taunting was the same one that could have snapped their fingers and could have caused them to drop dead at any moment. They didn't even know. So when we see, therefore, we need to get ourselves ready to think, okay, so I need to be reflective of Christ's example of humility. I need to look back and say, okay, well, what did Jesus do? And I need to get ready because I'm about to apply it to me. So that's where we look in verse number 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have also always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Has anybody or does anybody work for a place where when there's a corporate person coming in, everybody freaks out? Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's an auditor that's coming in and then everybody on the floor gets the call, corporate's coming. And what does everybody do? I'll do the housekeeping, clean the floors, batten down the hatches, and they just go nuts. And the, the supervisors, they're never, uh, be careful. The supervisors come to the floor and, they, and they're, they're seen, let's just put it that way. They're seen and they're getting everybody in shape because everybody wants to look good for what? Corporate. We want to make sure we look good. When, if you have to freak out because corporate's coming, that's kind of indicating there's a problem. We're not going to preach on that. You know what I'm saying? Well, Paul says to the Philippians, it's like, you guys, man, I hadn't seen you in years, but man, when we were together and when I was instructing you and your church was small and you were fledgling, but you were just starting to grow, man, you heard my instruction and man, you obeyed the word of God and you gave and you served and you connected and I've been praying for you. And here's what's crazy is even while I've been gone, you're obeying better than when I was 
And that is the sign of a true believer. When, it, when we have to say something like this, oh, the pastor's coming over, put all the stuff away. Oh, well, these other Christians are coming over to our house, so let's make sure we're playing the part. What is that saying? It's saying that we're acting. I'm not trying to, let's not pretend, man. We've all, we've all got things in our life that need to be cleaned up. Can we just say amen? amen. We all do. Personally, make a, little, make a little plug for small groups right there. Because that's where you feel real life. Because when you're off by yourself doing your own thing, man, you don't have somebody chipping away and saying, hey, look, there's something I see in your life. Man, I know we don't like that. I don't even like it. But I need it. And I think we all do. Let's look at this right here. And this is what I've been looking forward to working out. Pun intended. It says here in verse number 12, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay. Does everybody see that? Does anybody have questions about that? All right. We look at this, and when you casually read this, or you have a cursory reading of this, you might look and say, okay, well, hold up now. Hold, hold up. I thought that it was Jesus that worked out my salvation. Wait a second. I thought... That it was all about Jesus here, not me working out my salvation. I mean, good grief if I were to read this and not really just look at that one phrase. Oh, heavens, Josh, it looks like that not only do I need to work this thing out, that I need to be scared to death that I'm working this thing out. That's what it might look like. But I think we should unpack it a little bit. Because that's how a lot of people understand is that, well, I need to work things out and do this. So, let's, I, I think the important thing is for us to look at the word salvation. How many of us have heard the word salvation over and over and over again? Yes. Okay. I love, I love this, I love this, I love this. Salvation itself, the word salvation itself, can you put that up, is soteria. Not a Greek major, don't even know it by heart, just can look it up and basic skills there. But it means this, a savior who saves. And I think this is beautiful. The word salvation in the English today is connected to the word salve. Has anybody ever been cut before? You ever been burned before? I mean, literally you had a burn. Well, what do you do when you get cut, when you get stung, when you get burned? What do you do? You apply some kind of salve. What is uh, technically aloe vera? Technically a salve. What is a triple antibiotic? A salve. Well, what does the salve do? You put it on the cut. It helps to draw the bad things out and put the necessary vitamins and minerals back into your body so that that cut or that burn can be what? Healed. Healed. Okay. Okay. Think about that for a second. Salve, see how it's spelled? Salvation. What is salvation? Salvation is a healing. We are healed. 
Isaiah 53 says, because of his stripes and by his stripes, because of his punishment, we are healed. He is the one who heals us. He is the one who takes the sin away. And my friend, this is not just a burn or a cut. For the Lord of the Rings fans in here, this is the wraith's injury of Frodo. This is the sword that pierces his shoulder and that he is about to die and to cross over into that land where he is neither dead nor living, but kind of in between. And there is the only one way that they can heal him. People try to heal him. Elves try to heal him, but nobody else could. We've got to take him to Rivendale, the heavenly city. We've got to take him to the only one, Elrond, that can heal him. What is that a picture of? There's the only way that you and I can be healed by the mortal, by the mortal injury of sin. And that is the Savior Jesus Christ. This is not a cut. This is not just a wound. This is a mortal wound that we all will die with unless we are healed by the only one who can heal, who came from the heavenly city. Whew. What does it mean to work out your own salvation? I think it's good to look at, well, work out or work for? Do we work in this thing out? Are we working for salvation? My friend, if you're thinking, Man, I tell you what, I think that God's going to let me in. If I, you know, I hadn't done, I, I don't think I've done enough bad to go to hell, but I, I you know, I'm, I'm hoping. Then you're never, ever, 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 ever going to get there. There is none. The word says there is none good. Not a single person in this room, not a single person in any church building across the state of North Carolina, not a single person on the face of the planet is good enough to go to heaven. There is none good, no, not one, so we all have the wound. How can we, what does work out your own salvation mean? Well, I'll tell you one more thing it don't mean. I've heard this and maybe you've heard something like this before. You ever talk to somebody about or do you know Christ, etc.? You say something like, hey, do you, do you know Jesus? And then conversation goes something like this. Hey, man, look, I get you. But look, <laughs> look, I don't, like, I don't like those labels. Salvation, saved, I don't like all that stuff, man. I don't like the labels of salvation, Christian. I don't like all that stuff. Well, first of all, that's a biblical that's not just something people made up. That's a biblical thing. To be saved is biblical and it's right. Yeah, but man, you don't understand. Look, look, me and God, me and God, we, we, we got our own thing. We tight. We tight, man. No, but are you saved? Look, and I told you, I don't like those, I don't like those words. Here's what I'm telling you, man. Me and God, look, me and God, we working out our own thing. Me and him. How many of you have heard something like that in your life? That tells me there's a lot of people that believe that way. That is not what that means. We're either tied to the scripture, to the word of life, or we reject it. It's either or. Well, what does work out mean? It means something, I think, like this. You had it up there a second ago. Liberty, salvation to us is liberty, healing, freedom. But I'm going to argue this. 
Salvation is also a weight and a responsibility. If you don't believe me? Go to um, we can go to Luke 14. Talks about he, if you don't if you don't going to bear if you're not going to carry your cross, then you're not worthy to be my disciple. If you're not willing to cut ties even with your own blood family to follow me, he's like you ain't worthy. You're not coming. And that's something we all have to reconcile. Are you willing for it to cause problems in your home to follow Christ? Because if you're not, you're not ready. And you're not going to be. I reckon it's something like a weight. My favorite verses still to this day, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my, what's the word? Yoke upon you. At the very end, for my yoke is easy. Okay, what's a yoke? What's a yoke? People who know farming, old school farming, what is a yoke? It's a piece of bondage, right? A yoke, you set upon the neck. And so it's like, okay, Jesus, you say that, oh, come to me and there's rest and I'll give you, da, da, da. but you, start, you, you literally just said that you want me to get in this in this piece of equipment and walk along with you. Jesus, I'm telling you, this looks like this is a lot of work to me. It looks like it's a weight, it's a responsibility. And man and brother and sister, it is a weight. It is a responsibility. But guess who's carrying it? Not you. Not me. The weight of our eternal redemption was so heavy it took the blood of God to die. That's huge. And if it was up to you and me to carry it along, then my friend, we'd have to get resaved every single day, perhaps multiple times. But if this is the way, and I know y'all are probably impressed right now. This is, this is about what I'm benching right now. I wanted to make sure I got something manageable so I didn't embarrass myself up here. <laughs> and be like, oh, <laughs> I'm coming home, Elizabeth. So it is a weight. But hang on a second. If Christ saves you and the Spirit moves into you, Jesus is the one carrying that. So I reckon it's actually more like this. Salvation is more of a muscle that is worked out. Is he in you? Then he's with you. Then who's carrying the burden? You or him? Well, you are walking along with him, and man, Christian, brother in Christ, sister in Christ, this is what's so, I think this is beautiful, is that yes, it's heavy, yes, a responsibility, and yes, people do judge us by our actions, and yes, we should feel guilty when we step across the line and sin, and I know the word says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but that is eternal. There is something healthy about feeling a little bit of guilt when we mess up, so we run back to the Father and say, God, please help me because you and I need him. But he's the one that's carrying it. So here's all I have to do. Literally, all I have to do is just walk with him. Day by day, walking with him. Oh, man, I stumble all the time. If you're in a yoke with Jesus, what's he going to do? Is he going to shoot his wounded? No, he's going to work with you. Man, I just think that's beautiful. So... Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and do his good pleasure. Who's the one doing the work? 
What's it say? Who's the one doing the work? Is it you? Is there, are you all that in a bag of chips? It's who? It's God. It is him who is working in you. And it's for his good pleasure that he's working in you. It's not to please yourself. It's to please God. Now, this is going to be rough. By the way, that first section is called Work It. I guess you can figure out why, why we titled it Work It. But work out, you get it. Work it. Work it. Okay. We here? You here? Okay. Check this out. Verse number 14 through verse, the first part of verse number 16 is Work It and then Watch It. This is going to hurt. Verse 14, do all these things without grumbling or disputing. Oh, man. This, this is what's going to hurt. Can you, we're going to go back to the scripture, but I, wanna, I want us to look at what the word grumbling means. Don't even ask me that, how to say that. But um, No, nah, I think I know, but I'm not going to try. But here's what this is. This is a murmur or a muttering, a secret displeasure. It's an onomatopoeia. Besides being an incredibly fun word to say, onomatopoeia. You, you ever say that word? You should just try it. Onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia. It's fun to say. What is an onomatopoeia? It's a word that sounds like what it what? What it means. Cough. Sneeze. Pow. Crash. What's another one? Bam. Zoom, right? That's what that is. Here's what this grumbling word means. Press one for English. <laughs> one. Hello? Thank you for going AD&D. &D. Oh, How many of you have done that? How many of you know exactly what I just said? Because you empathize with it. You know exactly. Kids are over in the other room. You're trying to get some peace. Some of you are like, I don't know, have any idea what that's like. But they're in the other room trying to get some peace. peace and they are crashing. And they are screaming. And they are making noises. And it's like every time you feel your eye twitch just a little bit more, and you're that close to Jekyll and hiding. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, so help me. <laughs> oh, man, oh, God, forgive us all. You know what I'm saying? And Paul has the audacity to say, yeah, you know everything in life. You know everything, right? Yeah, everything, all the interactions, everything. It's like, yeah, do everything without that. And some of you right now, you're like, oh. <laughs> Does that not sting? How in, how in God's creation... Can we do all things without grumbling or disputing? Look at verse 16, the very first part. Holding fast to the what? How do we dare not grumble when things just crash in on our attention and we're like, how do we dare? 
not grumble and not complain and not fight. How do we dare not do that? Hold fast to the word. I was telling Valerie this morning, I'm so grateful to have a spouse that loves God's word. I see her sitting there reading the Bible all the time. I see her doing that more than watching Netflix or Amazon Prime or any of that stuff. I see her there reading God's word sometimes for more than an hour at a time. And it's beautiful. I see her making notes and I told her this morning, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have a spouse that loved the word of God like you do. If I had to take a stab at it, I'd say I probably wouldn't love the word of God as much as I do because I wouldn't have the support. And it helps me, man. Can I ask y'all an honest question and just answer it just to yourself? Does your spouse see you reading the Bible at home? Wives, I want to ask you, does your husband see you reading the Word? Husbands, let me ask you, does your wife see you at the coffee table or at the kitchen table or on the couch saying, you know what, no TV for right now. I need to read. I need to hold fast to the word of life. Do we as parents sit down with our kids and say, look, I know we talk about all these shows and all these games, but for right now, all this is going off and we're talking about the word of God, like it or not. What is needed but the Word of God. There's only so many, man, there's so many of those YouTube stars out there that our kids don't even need to know about. And a lot of them aren't telling them anything. And a lot of them are creepy too. I'm not going to say Blippi's name in here because I don't want anybody to be offended, but I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not going to say his name. I dare not do that. But all I am saying, sir, and I, I just lost some of you right there. But hear me out. Our kids are going to grow up before you know it. And how many of us have never sat down on the floor and played Legos with our kids? How many of us have said, you know what, when they, hey, daddy, mommy, can you play with me? And I, I ain't got time. I know we've all said that. But how many times do we sit down and say, hey, let me tell you something about the Bible? And I think one of the reasons is, is we're not in it like we should. You can't really tell anything you don't know. I wonder if we'll get to heaven it there won't be a feeling of as soon as we cross over like, man, I wasted so much time. Verse number 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless. Oh, by the way, this does not mean that nobody needs to question things. This is not the disputing like, hey, I want to know something about the word of God or I want to know why you do what you do. That's not this. This is a nagging like, okay, God, so you said this. I see this in your word, but look, I don't really want to do this right now. Let's me and you. I don't really, I don't really like what you've said. I think that's what this is because questions are how we grow. So a question that comes from a good heart, that's how we grow. Verse number 15, that's how you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish among whom you shine as lights of the world. There's an aspect of Christianity that a lot of us don't like. And that is this. We like the idea of some of us, and I think all men maybe even have this idea like, man, 
It's going to be awesome someday if somebody looks at me and says, do you follow Jesus with a gun in our face? Do you follow Jesus? If you say you don't, then I'll let you go. But if you say you do, then you're dead. And we have this almost romanticized vision of dying for the cause of Christ. And hey, it may come to that. But we picture that and think, man, that's going to be cool. Go out in a blaze of glory, man. It's going to be awesome. But there's an aspect of Christianity that a lot of us don't like, and that is the innocence of it. Can I be really real with you for a second? Just speaking to the men in here. Around 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, most men in here were exposed to something evil and satanic. That is called pornography. Most of us were exposed to that. We got hooked on that. Our parents let us have the internet too early. By the way, parents, golly, good grief, man. You've got to be so careful. Giving your kids unfettered internet access when they're 12 and 13, 14 years old. There's so much fallout that comes from that. But so many of us were exposed to that. We were addicted to that. And man, it was just filth. I know that's something the church doesn't like to talk about. But I'm telling y'all, it's something that we need to talk about. Because those of us that are older now look at our kids and some of your grandkids and you think, God help them. You don't want them to. And every once in a while, even I as a man will get, begin talking to a, another adult man, maybe in their 20s or 30s, and we get to talking about this sort of thing. And it's like you get the feeling, and they, they explain, look, I never actually had a problem with that. I never jumped into that. You know what I want to say? I want to say, praise God! Thank God you never went down there. Thank God you never got involved in that smut. Man, it it just took a lot of us almost to hell. It's evil, it's satanic, it's exploitative, and there's all kind of problems with it. Thank God you didn't go down there. Thank God for your innocence, young man. And man, we live in a day and age when we almost, because of Google, because of all our internet uh, ability to search the internet, we think that, man, if you don't know this, then you've not really lived. No, my friend, if you haven't experienced sin like that, praise God that you never did. You didn't miss a cotton-picking thing. You didn't miss anything. What happened to innocence? I know a lot of us have done a lot of things we wish we wouldn't. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank God that he is a God of forgiveness. Thank God that he sent Jesus. Thank God that he redeemed us. As long as we ask him and live in him, he redeemed us. But my friend, don't think we have to know everything about everything. We don't. We can be innocent. Look in verse number 16, the last half of it. Holding fast to the work, the word of life. So that in the day of Christ, I may be proud. I didn't run in labor or vain, labor in vain. Even if I am poured out to be a drink offering as a sacrificial offering of your faith. 
This last part is called worth it. Work it, watch it, and worth it. I'm going to be transparent again. As a pastor, I am so glad to be a part of what we're doing here. It's amazing. God's growing it. People are coming. People are getting saved. We're going to baptize some today. By the way, it's a mystery for some of you, isn't it? I'm glad. But you're going to see probably three get baptized here in a minute. Man, this is, this is great. It's fantastic. But I'm going to be honest with you, man. It's hard sometimes. Because what we're finding is that serving Christ, it doesn't look like a check into church on Sunday morning for an hour and check out Christianity. Like, um, there's a great book everybody should read, The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert by Rosaria Butterfield. But there's something that she said. Um, actually, it's the title of her one of her books. It's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. What we're finding is we have people in our home every week. Is when we have people in our home for small group or when we have family room in our house or when we have others to eat in our home. We're opening our home and it's good for ministry. Matter of fact, I think it's right. I think it's good. I think it's godly. I think it's holy. But man, it's hard. To be honest with you, some days on Sunday afternoons, I just disappear off the face of the planet. I retreat and I'm almost like another Lord of the Rings. Some of you see where I'm going. I'm almost like Gollum over here. You know, just... And I, I go to my bed, and I'm like, my precious. <laughs> 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 and snacks, too. Oh, my precious. <laughs> but, man, it's hard. But the reason we're doing this is because we believe that God's got a plan for this whole community. And we've all seen it. We've all been a part of churches. Well, most of us probably have been a part of churches where things were dead and it was dying and we knew something wasn't right. We knew it was awkward and people preached not about the word of God, but about some other thing. And it was just ridiculous. Man, so when you pour out your heart in this and you open your home and man, your introverted wife is not only making meals every week, but she's having to put more out than she's used to and she crashes too. Man, that's hard. But my friend, one day this life is going to be done. And I do believe in a, in a rhythmic, rhythmic principle of Sabbath, not a legalistic principle, but a rhythmic principle of Sabbath that we all should do. We all should work towards the time when we rest because he, Jesus did that. Like he was the model. He went everywhere and it seemed like he went slow everywhere, not fast, 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 busy, busy, busy. But my friend, Paul said, even if I am to be poured out like a drink offering, and you know what I think he's referring to? His death. 
He's like, man, I'm here in prison. If you've been with us through Philippians as we've been walking through this, man, I'm, I'm in prison. And man, even if someday I am poured out like a drink offering, in other words, I think metaphorically he was talking about his literal blood. If I am poured out like a drink offering and if I am beheaded like some of the other apostles, some of the other disciples, so be it. Oh, Philippians, please make it worthy so that when I go to the other shore and I see you come up, I say, praise God you made it too man you were real man you accepted Christ you were on the the the, the, tra the path not trodden you were on that path too oh brother give me a hug Amen. may it be that it's worth it likewise you also should be glad and rejoice with me some of us aren't used to sacrifice because we don't like the idea of that. Giving up what? Let me ask you, what's not worth giving up for a godly body in Christ? Some of you have been in the desert before, hadn't you? You wandered from church to church, and it's like, man. And Lord help us. I'm not saying that we're anything special. Everybody in this room knows that we ain't. We're all messed up in a lot of regards, but we've been redeemed. Let's talk about our enemies. Somebody once said that these are our enemies. The world, the flesh, the devil. What's the world? Well, you look at the biblical word world, it's the cosmos, and that means the worldly systems and things that are in order today. Friend, we shouldn't be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed. So to change form. We don't conform to the world, and that's why we should all be so careful not to adopt all these things, not to obsess over all these systems and all these things that we talk about. We get off in private, and man, we're just obsessed over, you know, some hobby or some political situation or whatever it may be. But the world is always pulling you, is it not? The internet is always pulling us. Materialism is always pulling us. The world is out there, the systems are there, and it's like, oh yeah, that's the thing. No, it's not the thing. The thing is God in the kingdom, because one day, this is going to pass. The flesh is also our enemy, and this is primarily, I think, what we're talking about today. The flesh wants what it wants, does it not? It says, I want that. And especially in regards to our belly, what does it often get? It. We want it. Right? Main question at work every day, I guarantee you, no matter what industry, no matter what type of work that you do, what's like the number one question of every day? What's for lunch? Where are we going? Right? But oftentimes we are guided. One of our pastors put it this way, called it Lord Belly. And we are ruled by Lord Belly. It wants what it wants, and it wants it now, and then we go get it. Oh, but my friend, we are led by our flesh many times. We are pulled by the world, but understand our main enemy is the devil. And these things are just his tools. You know who wants to be boss of you? Yourself. You want to be boss. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I mean, I'm not. You are. Yeah. 
I'll do what I want to do. I mean, we, we do that. But we are not sovereigns like we think we are. God is sovereign. And he must lead and rule over us. Otherwise, we're in this same trap over and over and over again. Hey, thank you so much for listening. It, it means the world to me that you would take the time to listen to our sermons. If, you, if you'd like to connect with us, shoot us an email at office at hopechurchmillcreek.com. That's office at hopechurchmillcreek.com. Or just come by for a service in person, 1030 a.m. Sunday mornings. Address is 1562 Mill Creek Road, Roxborough, North Carolina. Uh, I would love to meet you in person. And um, I guess that's all for now. So don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcast if you would kindly. We pray that you'd have a great day. Uh, for Hope Church Mill Creek, I'm Pastor Josh. Grace and peace.